Welcome to the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. I am here today after a very successful day of surgery, patience, and other wildlife fun in the Roxbury <laughs> Clinic and Surgery Center. And I'm here with Dr. Millicent Ravello, who is in her heavy coat, freezing, because it is so cold in Los Angeles. What happened, Dr. Ravello, <laughs> to this weather? What's going on? I don't know. We've been like monsoon weather for the past month. Places flooded. Like, where are we? This is supposed to be Los Angeles. but It feels like it should be like somewhere like outside of Salt Lake City in the mountains. I, it is cold and it is rainy. I'm sitting here in the office in like the heaviest winter fur coat ever. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's actually 52 degrees outside, <laughs> just for everyone else's reference point. Which no, means it's, it's cold. <laughs> I think it's a little colder than that. But like with like in New Jersey, this would be like a nice spring like t-shirt day. weather. Yeah. yeah. Like I remember starting Little League in March and it was like if you didn't have an anorak on, you were like totally going to freeze. And here we are. I guess it's we yeah. just have to deal with it. Yeah. We just pay more taxes, soft. I guess. Yeah. But today. Today. In our 101 series, continuing on, we're going to hit mid face lift 101 mid face lift 101 which is a i feel like a bit of an oxymoron because did you just call me a moron no i called you an ox oh (laughs) (laughs) very good because outside of the world of plastic surgery and plastic surgeons i don't know that the average person even knows what a mid-face lift is, let alone that it exists. So to assume that there's like a baseline one-on-one knowledge is perhaps faulty because it's not like a common thing that people are like, oh, I'm gonna get my mid-face done. You know, you hear like, I'm gonna get my boobs done, I'm gonna get my nose done. Like nobody walks around saying, I'm gonna get my mid-face done. No, they don't. (laughs) It is not. Well, except this one, I I did. (laughs) I walked around saying that. (laughs) Well, but that's that's a fair point because that is... uh, you know, people uh, in this continuum of facelifting, which has obviously had, you know, and I and I think your point about the backlash from fillers has caused people to look more uh, deeply into surgical options for rejuvenation of their face rather than, you know, ballooning their face up Ugh. with with fillers like the Michelin Man. I hate that. I hate it so much. I know, and it's a, and I've come to kind of uh, share your pet peeviness about that because it does it does look strange it looks spongy and odd and it and sure not, makes my not, facelifts difficult you're not <laughs> fixing the problem that's my biggest my biggest grievance with fillers and and some of these non-invasive techniques is that you're not fixing the problem so okay 101s no divergence <laughs> 101 what is a mid facelift because everyone who's listening out there is literally asking what is a mid facelift? What are you guys talking about? Yeah, is it a facelift? Like, what is it? So it is a, a facelift, but traditionally, when people say the word facelift, it involves incisions around the ears and the back of the ear into the scalp. Um, some people think of facelift, which includes everything, like uh, we, as uh, uh, Dr. Stepien calls it, a face whipple, <laughs> where you're doing the brow <laughs> lift, the eyelids, the mid face, also the, only everything, funny and fat grafting or whatever. So. Um, yeah, and a Whipple is an operation where you take out the pancreas and all kinds of stuff. It's like a crazy abdominal operation. So as surgeons, we, we use that as a term of something very, uh, very difficult involved. and very involved. But um, typically, a facelift is really desi- defined as the lower face where you're making incisions around the ears, et cetera. The mid-facelift is when you're lifting the cheek, the tissue that's 
over the cheek and it can be part of the facelift. Like when I learned from Bruce Cannell to do facelifts, he would bring the incision up into the brow and he would get down way onto the mid face and the mid facelift was done through a very open approach. Typically, when we're talking about a mid-face lift as an isolated procedure, we're talking about an endoscopic procedure using scopes, small incisions up in the scalp, in the hair, with possibly with an eyelid incision, possibly with a mouth incision, which we'll go over in a second, to elevate the cheek, the tissue, the malar fat pad. The malar fat pad is overlying your zygomatic arch or your zygomatic prominence, which is the cheekbone, basically, your high cheekbones that everybody looks at, and some of you don't have high cheekbones, and you, that's why you're having a mid-face lift, is to get that fat pad to create volume in the area around the eye socket, lateral to the lateral and inferior, you know, down to the from the uh, side of the eye socket, and you want to create that high cheekbone look. You want to put volume high in the face, so you do a mid-face lift. lift. The middle of the face, over that cheek, endoscopic, and... I first learned this when I went to the uh, a, a conference like out in San Diego and like it was a long time ago. It was probably 1995 or six, and I saw Rod Hester from Atlanta doing mid face lifts through small eyelid incisions, and he was making an orbicularis oculis, cutting the muscle of the eyelid, and lifting the mid face by undermining getting under the muscle, down on the periosteum, and undermining the, the cheekbone, and then tacking that up to the temporalis fascia, uh, which is a, the fascia that's above the cheekbone. And he would suspend it there, and then he'd do little eyelid stuff, and, and he would say, you know, look, you're gonna look very Asian at first, and then it's gonna settle down. And, but the results were really good. They were, they were a little wonky in a lot of cases, and that's why I think this evolved into more of a temporal incision where you use the endoscope to come down from the hair, down over the lateral bones of the, of the eye socket, over the cheekbone, and then lift with either sutures or, or a devi favorite device of mine, the endotine device. I have no financial interest. Right, and so the question is, well, who gets this fancy procedure that you just described? Who gets it? It's someone that has started to see mid-face descent. That means that they have noticed that the soft tissues of their face have started to descend. And that's usually the first sign of facial aging that a person has in their face. Before they get the jowls, before they get the loose neck skin, they're gonna see it in that under eye area. And they may not know that that's what's happening, but they are presenting for things like under eye filler or cheek filler because they recognize that there is something happening in that under eye cheek area that is causing them to look older. Yeah, but, and, and it may not even be older, it may just be different. It may be that they look like I'm losing my looks, quote unquote, is what I've heard. And I've heard people say, my face isn't the same shape, it's getting boxy. Right, because it's going from that youthful heart face shape where the tissues are high on the cheekbones. And as they start to descend, you're getting more of a boxy shape. And so that's sort of the first sign of aging that you see in the face. So this is people who are in their late 30s to mid 40s, really, who would be getting it as an isolated procedure. Past that, you're probably looking at getting it in addition to a facelift or something like that. But as an isolated procedure, it would be someone in their late 30s to mid 40s. And the idea is just to restore that youthful volume, that youthful heart-shaped face look um, by putting it back where it belongs, as opposed to 
sticking filler in your cheekbones. Yeah, I mean, it does do that. It, it not only lifts the cheek, but it will get some of the jowl in that early, like in that 35 to 45 year old uh, person who's not seeing like a lot of skin at the jowl, you can really see that whole cheek come up with this, especially when um, they're thinner faced. So you can do suture suspension as opposed to endotine. The endotine is a device that uses absorbable polymers uh, to make a, a device that has like some prongs that go into the the kind of the meat of the malar fat pad and elevates it up to the the temporalis fascia and you suture it in place. Um, it's a great device. I use it in really heavy-faced patients where they have big cheeks that really need some suspension. I like to use sutures because you'll feel the endotine device for like nine months and yeah. the sutures you won't feel. And the sutures can do the same thing, but they can't do it for that massive heavy cheek. Right, you need something a little more robust for that. And the procedure itself, you know, it's it's not as invasive or involved as a facelift. So it's like kind of like a mini facelift, not a mini facelift. That's a whole nother thing. <laughs> We're gonna, <laughs> that's not a one-on-one that, that's, either. That's not the word I wanted to use. <laughs> 201 series next. <laughs> but it's a procedure, you know, you'll come the day of surgery. Surgery will take a couple hours. You go home the same day. A um, lot of times, or most of the time, the incisions are going to be in the hairline, so above your ear, kind of behind you know, the temple area, you'll have some incisions in the hairline. You may also have some incisions inside the eyelid on the lower aspect of the eye. And through those incisions, through that combination of incisions, that ligament that separates the lower lid from the cheek is released, which allows the cheek to then be pulled up, and that junction is smoothed out because you no longer have that crease or that under eye hollow that people don't like. That, that ligament that separates those two areas is obliterated and then the cheek is lifted and then the whole area is very smooth. And recovery is, you know, it's not awful. You're gonna be a little swollen, a little chipmunked face for about a week. There may be some bruising. Um, there may be some dry eyes or some issues with the eyes closing all the way for like a week or so. You know, have to wear some glasses if you wear contacts. But from a pain standpoint, it's not bad. And you could be you know, back at work, going back into social life within, you know, a week, week and a half. Yeah. And you do, you touched on a great point. So the mid facelift does lift the mid face and lifts that cheek up, but it really makes that lower lid shorter. And so for dark circles, like people say, what's the treatment for dark circles? I'm like, mid face lift. Yeah. And they're like, what? What are you talking about? And I was like, no, if you want to treat your dark circles, you do a lower lid, a transconjunctival lower lid blepharoplasty, release the arcus marginalis, let the, the fat spill over the rim, and then lift the bejesus out of that mid face lift to shorten the lid. And the, you won't get rid of the darkness, but you will make it so short that you don't see it anymore. It becomes like almost gone if you do it right. And I love that procedure for dark circles, but to get somebody to go in for an endoscopic mid facelift for dark circles. dark circles is like, <laughs> a big don't ask. you have like a cream? <laughs> like I just want a cream. Can I put a cream on my face? <laughs> Yeah, no, that is very true. But I, it's a it's a very high satisfaction procedure for the patients that are good candidates for it. You know that are that are in that age group that have just sort of that isolated concern and complaint, and it really just sort of resets the clock for them, and it obliterates the need for fillers and for under eye concealer, and it just it solves the problem. Which as surgeons, 
that's what we do. We like to solve stores that nice problem. shape of the cheek and yeah. you get that OG curve back and it's all good. So it's yeah. a great operation. It's a great operation. I do it all the time. I've been doing them since I was a resident at the McGee Women's Hospital in Pittsburgh in like, I think my first mid facelift was probably after I came back from that meeting with Rod Hester and I started doing them because I, I wrote about them. I did a history of the mid facelift article. I mean, this is something that's like, in my blood and it just really is a, a great operation it looks great and it the patients have a high satisfaction rate with it complications you can get a little bit of nerve weakness from the zygomatic branches of the facial nerve the temporal branches of the facial nerve um, you can that, get hair loss around the incision that's a possibility what those nerve um, weaknesses translate to is a little bit of difficulty closing your eye completely or um, raising your eyebrow on yeah. one side. So that's what those nerve weaknesses mean. And they are generally temporary. You know, give it, you know, three, four, six weeks and they typically come back. They typically come back. I've never had a permanent one from a, from a mid facelift. But they, what I do is the patients are usually a little concerned about the weakness on one side. I Botox the other side. Right. And then so by the time the Botox wears off, yeah. they, they get there. Yeah. Can I tell a little story yes. about face creams? Yes. Is that okay? Yes. You have one minute. Go. I don't know if I can do it in one minute, but I'll try. You've already wasted 10 seconds. So this weekend, I was scrolling through Instagram, mm -hmm. and I don't know if I told you this. Did I tell you this? Mm -mm. I don't think I told you this. I'm going to show you this picture. This will be good. <laughs> this is a good reaction moment. You guys can't see this at home, but maybe I'll do a little post about it. So a patient of Fun. mine was on her Instagram and left uh, put up a story. Mm-hmm. And on the story is a beautiful picture, selfie or whatever of her taken. And she's looking in the camera and she looks fantastic. And she says, week eight of blah, blah, blah skincare. Totally amazing. Look at my results. So I go, what about the facelift? <laughs> and she obviously is not telling anybody about her facelift. Did you say that? No, I didn't. Oh. I didn't put the comment. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't out her. I didn't like ruin her vibe, her mojo on this thing. But I took, I screenshotted her photo, which was this. Okay. That's her photo. And Dr. Okay. Rell, what do you see there? Don't say who it is or anything like that. Just, but how does she look? She looks amazing. Right. There are zero lines. There are no nasolabial folds. There are no under eye circles. She has a beautiful jaw lift, jaw line, no jowls. Right. What what's her age? She looks like she's like 28. Okay. She's not. So she says in this this is the, the in the under here's the caption. Incredible. 8 week results. She by the way her facelift was 8 weeks ago. This is her pre-op. Wow. <laughs> and this is so I take her pre-op and I put them together and I send her that. I go don't want to mention the facelift, huh? <laughs> She's like, oh my God, did I really look like that? I was like, yeah. I was like, you owe me a review. She goes, I'll never tell. That's the truth. This looks great. Did you do her nose too? I did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah she looks really good. But uh, she is uh, 47. Yeah. She looks amazing. Before her facelift, 43. she had- She's in the 40s, like in that yeah. mid 40s. Let's she say 45, some, I'm split the difference. She has some jowls. She had a loose jawline, some prominent nasolabial folds. This looks great. That's the kind of abuse that I take <laughs> on a Sunday morning. <laughs> I'm just like, oh. and it's like not even our skincare line. 
It's like something she ordered off the web from some dude that I trained, by the way. Mm. I was just like, are you kidding? Really? Blah, blah, blah. Eight weeks. Look at my results. I'm like, oh, the facelift didn't didn't help. It hurts. It hurts. <laughs> it did. Like, it, like, I was just like, God damn. Like, just you cannot win for losing on this one. I was just, I mean, seriously, that is a very different look. That's very different. That's not, that's, there that are no creams in the world that can do that. No. And by the way, she's not the only one. I shared with her also that one of my friends who is in his 60s said the same thing. He told everybody that his dermatologist has some amazing creams. That's why he looks so good. I need to get these creams. <laughs> I think you've had them already. Oh, yeah. I've actually, yeah, you're right. I have had, I have used those creams. You've had great. Used those creams. They work. <laughs> they really work well. I know. I noticed. <laughs> Anyway, that's my that's my story. I just needed to give a little rant there. So shout out to those amazing dermatologic creams that lift your face, get rid of the jowls, and put your mid-face lift up mm-hmm, the, over mm-hmm. the cheekbones. Yep. But that's it. That's the deal. So if you didn't know, now you know about mid-face lifts. And if you think that you are at all a candidate, or if you're feeling yourself getting some filler fatigue, then <laughs> consider this as an option. It is. It's a great option. So this is the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast coming to you from the 90210. If you like what you heard on the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast and want to get in touch with either Dr. Ravello or myself, this is how to do it. You can reach me at the website, ravelloplasticsurgery.com. You can reach out to the office directly through the website with any questions or consult requests, or you can call the office directly at 310-954-1355. And you can reach me on Instagram at ravelloplasticsurgery. And to reach me, the phone number is 310-777-8800. My website is drcalvert.com, drcalvert.com. Instagram, Dr. J. Calvert. And of course, you may want to check out our YouTube channel for the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast, which is simply that, Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. Hope to see you all in the office very soon.